The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today we have two related readings, both from Epictetus, both from the Discourses. The first one is from the Discourses, Book 3, Chapter 21. Those who receive the bare theories immediately want to spew them, as an upset stomach does its food. First, digest your theories, and you won't throw them up. Otherwise, they will be raw, spoiled, and not nourishing. After you've digested them, show us the changes in your reasoned choices, just like the shoulders of gymnasts display their diet and training, and as the craft of artisans show in what they've learned. Second excerpt is from Discourses Book 2, Chapter 9. Philosopher, where are the things which you were talking about? Whence did you produce and utter them? From the lips and thence only? For it is one thing to lay up bread and wine as in a storehouse, and another thing to eat. That which has been eaten is digested, distributed, and has become sinews, flesh, bones, blood, healthy color, healthy breath. Whatever is stored up, when you choose, you can readily take it and show it, but you have no other advantage from it except so far as to appear to possess it. Okay, so let's just start with a simple idea, okay? Epictetus is making a differentiation between knowledge that is acquired in the intellect only versus knowledge that has actually become a part of you and affects the way that you live. And what he's saying is that a lot of people make the mistake of just taking the knowledge and then and either uh, storing it, which means not bothering to even uh, um, you know consume it and al- allow it to become part of themselves. Uh, and they do that just so that they could show it off. Or they take it and they eat it, but then they immediately vomit it up without allowing it to be digested and to uh, you know to to change their uh, to change them. Okay, uh, in other words, they're too quick to just like artificially um, uh, apply or or uh, or you know I guess apply in uh, in in, ter- in in the sense of like uh, uh, making theoretical applications of this thing. Uh, they don't let it become a part of their character and the way that they live, okay? Uh, and we're not really going to go into what that means uh, uh, explicitly. I'm going to take this in another direction. All right. So anyway, why did I focus on these two? So I mentioned a couple episodes ago in the episode about stoic anxiety, uh, I mentioned that I was reading this book called How to Be Perfect, The Correct Answer to Every Moral Question, written by Michael Schur, the creator of the show, uh, the comedy The Good Place. Uh, it's a book on, uh, which is an overview of moral philosophy. And since he's a comedy writer, it's very entertaining. If you want my full review, then either join my WhatsApp, uh, book review chat or look on Facebook or ask me for the review and I'll send it to you. We're not going to talk about the book right now, but I uh, finished the book on third on Friday and I was thinking about, uh, certain ideas as I read the book. And one of those ideas was that, or not ideas, observations. One of the observations that occurred to me throughout reading the book is that you would expect me to be very interested in moral philosophy because the areas of focus that I have in Torah really are about ethics and morality. I, I love learning Mishlei about decision-making. I love learning Pirkei Avos about character development. I love focusing on ideas in Humash that have to do with how we live so you would think that I would be very, very interested in moral philosophy. And the reality is that I'm not. Uh, I, other than occasionally dabbling in uh, in Aristotle and Nicomachean ethics, I haven't really been interested in reading moral philosophers and their their writings. So I was, I was thinking about this as I read the book, and, uh, and I was wondering why that is the case. 
And uh, I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that my exposure to ethics has really been through Torah. And and the Torah, at least the Torah that I learn, which is mostly in the works of the Rishonim, of the, the medieval uh, commentators and, and thinkers, does not really approach things through moral philosophy, okay? They approach things through through moral teachings that focus on practical decision making and on on how to live but not in they don't focus on trying to outline an entire philosophy of ethics where you define all of the values and then explain how everything fits in and make a consistent and coherent system okay that that i mean i don't even know if that was the style back then anyway i mean i guess i guess aristotle came way before that so i guess there were there were people who were doing that but that's not the approach in our uh, in our jewish thinkers and I was just thinking about not necessarily why that is, but about what the difference is between these two approaches to ethics of approaching ethics by learning moral philosophy versus approaching ethics by by focusing on the practical and allowing your ethical development to take place however it does without trying to like fit it into a, a moral philosophy. And the Mishnah that came to mind is a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. Uh, in the numbering that I have here, it's in chapter three, Mishnah nine. And it says, Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa Omer. Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa says, Kol Anyone whose fear of sin precedes his wisdom, Chachmaso Miskayemis, his wisdom will be firmly established. Anyone whose wisdom precedes his fear of sin, his wisdom will not persist. Okay, so the question is, what does this mean, right? Fear of sin here. Uh, what, 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 how is that being used? Um, what does uh, chachma mean here? What does wisdom mean in this context? And then why is it that if you start with fear of sin, then your wisdom will persist? But if you start with wisdom, then your fear, then your wisdom will not persist. So the Ramam, in his commentary on this Mishnah, explains. This matter is also agreed upon by the philosophers. Presumably he's referring to Aristotle, but I'm not sure who else. Ki hahergel bemidos hanalos im kadmu lechachma ad shihelo b'kach techuna chazaka v'lamar chachma achrechein asher tezarzehu al osan hatovos harize mosif kesher b'chachma v'ahavaba ulehitus lahosif ba kevin shehim orarto lemashu ragil. Okay, so uh, in English, uh, he says. If you have habituated yourself in in virtuous character traits, and you do this before you involve yourself in chachma and wisdom, which I'm assuming here means uh, uh, seems to be uh, a certain degree of ethical wisdom. Okay, you'll see why. He says until you have a strong disposition, and then you learn wisdom afterwards, which which motivates you towards those goods, those good 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 actions. That will increase your connection to wisdom and your love of it and your yearning to increase it uh, because it is motivating you to do that which you are already accustomed to do. Okay, so that's why I'm assuming that when he says Chachma here, he's talking about ethical wisdom because he's saying that you're learning a type of wisdom that is giving you reasons to be virtuous. Okay. And so again, he's saying if you already if you start off with with fear of sin, meaning you start off by actually acquiring good character traits, and then you learn the wisdom behind it, the ethical uh, uh, wisdom. So then it'll be easy because your wisdom will be uh, strengthening that which you are already doing in action. Okay, but then he says about im kadmu tchunos raos. But if you start off with bad character traits, v'lamad achrechinen, and then you learn afterwards, v'nasis chachma. And then your your ethical wisdom that you're learning is 
is preventing you from fulfilling your desires, shuhu ragil behem, which you are accustomed to, tichbat alav, then it'll become too uh, heavy upon you via azvena, and then you'll abandon it. Okay, so I think this is one of the big differences between Judaism's approach to ethics and the moral philosophy approach. We in Judaism train ourselves in good character traits first. And we do this through two ways. We do this through keeping halacha, keeping Jewish law, which has a lot of ethical behavior embedded in it uh, already, like not speaking Lashon Hara, not speaking you know, slander or gossip or negative speech about people, giving tzedakah, you know, giving to charity, uh, uh, you know, bicker cholim, uh, visiting the sick, kibbutz aim, honoring our parents, uh, you know, being kind to strangers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all of this stuff. So we train ourselves through halacha, and there is a rich uh, culture of focusing on good character traits and ethics, uh, even without learning. In other words, just on on uh, on on conducting oneself in, in, in line with ethical principles, okay? And these things are all inculcated, uh, ideally, at a, at a young age, and, and, and then you come of age intellectually once you already have acquired certain, uh, certain character traits, okay? And then, afterwards, you learn the, the philosophical ideas uh, behind the ethics, and the, uh, or I guess the ethical ideas as well, okay? So the Ramam says that that works because you basically have already trained your 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 psyche, you've trained your emotions in the right direction, and then the wisdom that you acquire will then show you even more reasons why you should live in the way that you've already been living. But if you start off with moral philosophy, like let's say you, you, you pick up this book, How to Be Perfect, uh, and you say, okay, I want to become a moral person but you have not been working on your character traits and you don't have a system of halacha that has uh, that has you know regimented your practice of these ethical behaviors and then you try to understand what it means to live ethically and then to force yourself to live that way that's a losing battle you know you, because what you're doing is you're 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 learning chachma you're learning this these ideas which is making you go against your own emotions and habits and uh, and guess what's going to win? <laughs> your habits are going to win out, and you're going to stop learning the uh, the ethics. Okay, so I think that that's a, a big difference in how Judaism approaches the learning of ethics. I'm not saying that's why there is no uh, ethical, no emphasis on ethical philosophy in the in the uh, in in the Rishonim. Uh, I don't know why there isn't. I'm just saying that I think the method that the Rishonim do use is more effective for the reasons that the Ramam said. Similarly, I think this is why. Uh, Shlomo HaMelech, uh, King Solomon's approach in Mishle in the book of Proverbs is very effective because what he does is he motivates you to become an ethical person by showing you that if you align yourself with ethics and good behaviors, then you will get more pleasure in life. In other words, he uses the thing he uses the, the the things you're already motivated to seek, which is uh, success and wealth and and honor and popularity. And he says, oh, you want that? You want these qualities? then follow these teachings and you'll get more of that. And these teachings are ethical teachings. In other words, he wants to show you how ethics is in your own best interest. Uh, and that's also gonna be advantageous because instead of working against your emotions, he's working with your emotions. Okay, uh, last point I wanted to observe this time is going back to Epictetus when he says that you should, um, uh, he says uh, that those who receive the bear theories immediately want to spew them as an upset stomach does its food. 
First, digest your theories and you won't throw them up. Otherwise, they will be raw, spoiled, and not nourishing. Uh, after you've digested them, show us the changes in your reason choices, just like the shoulders of gymnasts display their diet and training, uh, and just as the craft of artisans show in what they've learned. Okay, I, I guess I read the whole thing again. Uh, so I, I wanted to, to just comment here that when I when I teach Mishlei, so I, I focus on one puzzle at a time, one verse at a time, and, you know, I... I, I, I I, I'm torn between a conflict. Uh, the, the conflict is, on the one hand, I want to learn and teach as many ideas as possible. So many times in my daily Mishlei shir, in, in, in my class on this, then I will will go over several different interpretations of, of the Pasuk, okay? So that's great because we maximize the amount of ideas that we get, the number of ideas. However, in my own personal learning of Mishlei and in the way I, I, I used to teach it in high school, just because our, our uh, time frame was different, I would only like to get one idea out of each puzzle in one session. And I, 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 I prefer this for two related reasons, is that when I took a puzzle and then learned an idea from it and taught that idea, it would be easier for me to relate to that idea as a reality. But when I learn more than one interpretation, then the idea then becomes, it's easier to, to classify the idea or to treat the idea in my mind as like an abstract principle. And I think that's like what, what Epictetus is cautioning against is that like, you know, what are these ideas? Are these ideas principles uh, 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 on the basis of which we live or are they things we talk about and show? And I'm not saying that the two are mutually exclusive. I'm just saying that, you know, in when we're learning uh, halakha or we're learning Gemara, Talmud, we have many different opinions, and that's primarily an intellectual exercise. We talk about this opinion and that opinion, and we bounce them off of each other, and we analyze them and show their conceptual differences, et cetera. So that's like a, in, in the purely intellectual sphere. But when you're learning ethics, there is this danger of over-intellectualizing it. And I don't mean over-intellectualizing to the point where you're, I don't mean like you're over-analyzing. I mean that you make it into a a, a pr primarily intellectual endeavor, not a self-examination uh, and, and an application to your own self. And I find that it's easier if I go slowly and I only take one idea a day, it's easier for me to digest it and for it to become a part of me. Whereas if I am exploring many different ideas, then it's easy for that proliferation of opinions to to like propel me into the purely intellectual sphere. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But uh, that was another thing I was thinking of. And, you know, when I was reading this book on uh, on, on moral philosophy, then I, I definitely got that vibe. I mean, any any topic he talked about, he would he would basically like run it through the cycle of the different moral philosophers whose opinions he talked about before. And it just feels like this intellectual exercise. It doesn't really feel like we're really uh, talking about how to live. It feels like we're talking about what to think primarily uh, and how to judge things. And then the actual practical implementation of it is like an afterthought. So, uh, and like I said in my, uh, my other recent episode about Epictetus uh, and how I met Epictetus, I think that this is one of the things that attracted me to Stoicism is that the Stoic thinkers that I read, again, Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, and Seneca, are very oriented towards the practical and, and, uh, and not, you know, head-in-the-clouds uh, theoreticians uh, for the most part. Uh, so I, uh, I think that that really melds very well with, my, with, with my, the way I've approached ethics in, in Judaism. Okay, those are my thoughts, uh, and that is it for today's episode. 
If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle and PayPal are matt-schneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you'd like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbischneeweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.